the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Stefan Tub Show, final hour, 605. Randy Corcoran here. Great to have you along. Our phone number, 303-696-1971. 696-1971. You can bet that, uh, assuming Stefan's back tomorrow, he'll have something to say about 3,000 troops, two massive battleships, F-16s, F-35s, all on the way to the Middle East. Because Iran is messing around with boats carrying oil. And uh, more and more involvement. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, the White House negotiating a nuclear deal with Iran that they want to keep away from the oversight of Congress. Not how a constitutional republic is supposed to work. And uh, people are reacting to Joe Biden. Even Jake Tapper at CNN gets it. So the White House uh, clearly uh, trying to gin up excitement for President Biden's 2024 campaign. Yes. Um, his CNN's poll from last week found that President Biden's approval rating is at only 41 percent. Mm-hmm. Only 37 percent of Americans approve of his handling of the economy. I, I, I said this in our staff meeting today. I feel like I've been noting this for three years. <laughs> President Biden is out there heralding such and such, and the American people disapprove overwhelmingly. Three years in, we're still having this conversation. Still having the conversation because there is not, the connection isn't happening. Oh, no, really? Biden was in um, Arizona, and he is, you know, speaking in front of a group of, I don't know, 10 people or whatever. And these are the kinds of things that he's promoting to run for president. By the way, I'll never forget, I was standing in Washington, and a little girl walked up to me, I could see her daddy say, go up and say something to the president. She walked up and she said, Mr. President, would you take care of Bears Ears for me? And I didn't know what she meant when she said it. You take care of Bears Ears for me. Well, we took care of her and we gave her the oh, sign. That is so cute. Biden has a bit of an obsession with little girls, however, so it does pose some concern. But our next guest... Filmmaker, investigative journalist, political commentator. Um, He knows why nobody gives a darn about what Joe Biden is doing, why he spends so much time on vacation while his campaign is virtually non-existent. He's been writing about it. He made a movie about it. We've been talking about it since long before either of those things. And with every single day, I am reminded and convinced that he's right. His name is Joel Gilbert, and he joins us now. Joel, welcome back. Okay, great to be back. Thanks, Randy. Lay it on us, man. I mean, you are you are showing up on more and more uh, major programs. The mantra that you've been sharing with regard to who will actually be the Democrat nominee for 2024 continues to get steam, and uh, and you're not backing down a bit. Lay it on us. Well, yeah, the, uh, the things that have happened in the last few months are there's definitely consensus uh, among Republicans and Democrats that Joe Biden is not running in 2024. He has no campaign office. He's not really doing anything. Nobody wants him now, let alone in, in the future. 
So this guy who got 81 million votes, who was the most popular politician in American history, uh, suddenly doesn't really have anybody. So people are also recognizing and questioning whether he really did get 81 million votes. So Biden is someone who's just completely rejected because of his record, uh, because of his scandals, and because of his family. And uh, the Democrat Party, I believe, is setting it up for a different nominee whose name is Michelle Obama. They moved the first primary out of Iowa, where she would have had to campaign in 100 counties, to South Carolina, which is a state that Michelle claims is her adopted home state because her grandparents are from South Carolina. She used to go there for family reunions growing up. And it's also a state where half of the Democrat Party primary electorate will be African-American. And then they made the DNC, Democrat Convention, is going to be in Chicago, of all places, for a hometown girl convention. So when I set out to look at this, I was following the Obamas for years. And I noticed, starting in 2016, Michelle Obama was following the exact same formula that Barack had to become president. Barack had a voter registration organization called Project Vote in Chicago. Michelle started a voter registration organization called When We All Vote. Barack was the keynote speaker for John Kerry, introduced him at the 2004 uh, Democrat Convention. Sure enough, there was Michelle as the keynote speaker at the Democrat Convention. And, of course, Barack wrote two autobiographies, very important for politicians to kind of make a political document that changes your history and lets the media quote from your past without having to say anything. Barack wrote Dreams from My Father and the Audacity of Hope. Sure enough, Michelle wrote two autobiographies, Becoming and the new one, The Light We Carry, which are both on Netflix. So I think Michelle has perfectly positioned herself to be the one that Democrats turn to when Biden drops out. I'm predicting that'll be in November of this year because December 23rd is the uh, date where the Democrat states require signatures to be submitted to get on the primary ballots. So I'm thinking Biden will drop out for health or any number of reasons. He'll say, okay, I'm not going to run, but I'll, you know, not going to run for re-election. I'm going to hand it over. And, of course, Michelle has positioned herself as the only person, really, who can raise a couple hundred million dollars in a couple days and get all the signatures she needs in a very short amount of time. Do you actually force yourself to read those books or watch those Netflix dramas? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I read Michelle's autobiographies there and watch the, the shows on Netflix. They're absolutely uh, promoting an agenda, promoting a false history. Uh, I go in my film, Michelle Obama 2024, it's also a book. Uh, I go to Chicago. I talk to her mother, her high school and elementary school classmates, principals, you name it, all her friends. And I found out the story is very different. Michelle's been pushing this whole fabricated background, claiming that Basically, I'm just one of these ordinary black folks, and I suffered discrimination, and I was held back in life, and I'm from the south side of Chicago. She's been pushing that for years. Turns out it's completely untrue. She's not even from the south side of Chicago. She's from South Shore, which is an exclusive middle-class community on Lake Michigan. And Michelle spent her childhood running away from the black community. Instead of studying with them, she went an hour and a half away to go to an exclusive magnet school. Her brother went to a Catholic school with all white kids, expensive private school, even though they weren't even Catholic, because they didn't want to go to school with the black kids a block from their house at South Shore High School. So Michelle's family was doing what we call white flight, running away from black people. The kids would beat Michelle up, accused her of acting white and talking white. She even writes about getting in a fist fight in her book with a girl 
who called her an Oreo, which is a major insult. It means you're black on the outside, but you're really a white girl on the inside. And then I trace Michelle's uh, professional career in Chicago. It turns out she exploited the black community on behalf of rich, white, liberal elites. Working for the mayor of Chicago, I chronicle how she knocked down the projects and made 20,000 blacks homeless when they destroyed Cabrini Green, where black people lived, and Michelle gave away the land to Tony Resco and these Democrat donor developers who wanted this exclusive land near downtown. And having proven how callous she was, the University of Chicago Medical Center hired Michelle to kick the black Southsiders out of the emergency room and deny them access to health care. It was called patient dumping. It was illegal. And Michelle would put them in these vans and ship them back to the South Side and put them in these crappy clinics and prevent them from getting good health care. Michelle would say, this is good for you. So Michelle made millions of dollars helping white liberal elites deal with their problems with black people, taking away their homes, taking away their health care. And Michelle exploited the black community. But for politics, in her autobiography, she puts forth these fake stories about how she suffered discrimination and she's the one who's just an ordinary person from the South Side, and it's completely false. And the black voters are no fools. If they understood how Michelle exploited the black community and how she ran away from them her whole life, I don't think they would support her. Talking with filmmaker Joel Gilbert, the movie is Michelle Obama 2024. It's excellent. Is it still available on the Salem uh, streaming yeah. platform? Yeah. Salem now, you can live stream the movie right now, and it's also on Amazon Prime Movies. And the book version and DVD are also on Amazon. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, it's you go right to the neighborhood. You go right to the teachers. You go right to the sources. So we had Trevor Loudon on in the first hour. And one of the things that I, you know, complimented him for is just being such a incredibly – never been challenged. He's never been sued for defamation or had any of the conclusions that he's drawn uh, about people who are involved in, in socialism and communism right here in America, but while still in positions of power. And you're the, you're the same, man. I mean, you spent years putting this together. Uh, we were You and I were talking about this, what, three years ago, four years ago? Yeah, I mentioned it because Michelle was already taking those same steps that Barack did, doing the same thing. Michelle's not really an original thinker. She really doesn't have any original ideas, but she does copy things. If you look at her Twitter account, it's all political all the time, and she's just repeating whatever the Democrat Party narratives are. Even when she introduced Joe Biden at the 2020 convention, she said the Black Lives Matter protests were mostly peaceful. Uh, so she comes up with whatever's going on, and that's why uh, I think it's pretty obvious that Barack Obama is itching to get back in the White House, and I think Michelle is the way they plan to do it. Well, I do think that Barack Obama would make a good first lady, so that would be interesting. But... Um... Setting that aside, what are there any Republican candidates who are taking anyone outside of of Joe Biden right now seriously? I don't well, hear him talking about anybody. Well, I, look, uh, Michelle has put forth this phony story from years ago. You might remember in 2008, she uh, was so political. She was the co-candidate with Barack. She would go around to these huge stadiums giving speeches on her own saying, Barack and I, what we're going to do in the White House, our campaign. And she was so nasty and so anti-American. She said, you can't buy, you can't afford food in this country. You can't pay your mortgage. You can't afford child care. And she went over the top one night and said, oh, uh, uh, first time in my life, I'm proud of my country because Barack won a primary. 
Now, she said a lot worse things than that, but the media picked up on that, and that's when the Obama campaign came to her, and they said, look, we're going to lose because of you, because people are going to hate you. You've got to tone it down. So she got a speechwriter, and the next night she said, oh, I hate politics. I just want to be the mom in chief. <laughs> so ever since then, she's kind of taken a step back and promoted this idea of the forever first lady that she just you know, wants to help people, and she doesn't really like politics. So a lot of media has been pushing that for years, so Republicans don't yet take her seriously. But if I was a Republican candidate or Donald Trump, I would start dealing with her because I think she's going to be the candidate. She's the best-loved Democrat. She's the most popular person in the country, if not the world. And if I was Donald Trump, I would start saying things like, Michelle, how many millions of dollars did you make denying access to the black community to health care? Michelle, are you going to apologize for what you did to the black community in Chicago? That'll open up the discussion where people will start paying attention and say, whoa, you know, what's going on? I can tell you that the feedback I get from a white audience who's seen my film and book, they're shocked. Like, oh, we had no idea that Michelle, you know, behaved this way. Uh, But when the people in the black community give me feedback from watching the film, they say, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. They're like, well, there was something wrong with her, and they just realized that really what she's all about. Well, that's fascinating. How how widely uh, distributed is the movie? How, how many people do you think have seen it so far? And that's that seems to be the problem anytime we have, you know, these kinds of perspectives is actually getting it into people's hands. Well, it is a challenge because you've got to break through the whole media blackout. I remember from my film in 2012, Dreams from My Real Father, Uh, They ignored it for a little while, and then it started getting so much buzz that they started attacking me, MSNBC, BarackObama.com. So I think we're in that stage where they're still trying to ignore it, but once Michelle declares and people start really watching the film, when they start attacking me, you know that we've hit a nerve. Indeed. On the 710 KNUS text-to-studio app, Alexa writes in, Joel Gilbert rocks. I so appreciate him. Thought you should know that. Thank you very much. And I was just perusing your social media, and uh, you're you're on fire. But you've got this picture up at Joel S. Gilbert on Joel S. Gilbert on Twitter of the putative first lady, Jill Biden, yeah. who you know looks at least. I mean, we understand that she cheated on her first ha- husband, and she's pretty useless as a first lady. But she looks like a normal human being, uh, sort of grandmotherly. And she's standing with five massive drag queens, apparently in San Francisco, and her sort of normalness just makes them look so extraordinarily absurd. What is going on with this Democrat Party? Well, look, uh, they're checking all the boxes of the radical agenda, really from the 60s. You name it. Uh, Reparations, uh, drag queens, transgender. They just can't resist uh, pursuing every single radical idea that ever ever crossed their mind. And no one voted for any of this stuff. Uh, even if you want to argue Biden got more votes than, than Trump, no one voted for this uh, ideology of transgenderism and drag queens and open borders, uh, war in Ukraine. Nobody. That's why if it's a fair election, uh, Trump wins easily, hands down, because if you take Trump's record of success, economy, energy independence, peace abroad, uh, jobs, everything, everything different from the minority community. That's one reason the Democrat Party is pretty much appointing women, uh, 
ethnic minorities, African Americans, to every post you can think of, the uh, UN ambassador, uh, head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, press secretary, minority leader. They're trying to show their core constituent groups of black voters to say, hey, we have people in power who look like you, so you should vote for us. That's pretty condescending and pretty uh, insulting, but that's where they're at. Uh, and uh, it's because Trump delivered the things they'd been promising for 60 years and never did. So that's why Michelle Obama checks all the boxes. They're not going to nominate a white male, not Gavin Newsom. they going for uh, locking up the ethnic and minority support, which are the core constituent groups. Uh, so there's, that's what Michelle Obama does for the Democrat ticket. If they say Joe Biden is leading in all the swing states, nobody believes it. If they say Joe Biden won on election night, he beat Trump by 3% or 5%, nobody believes it. With Michelle Obama, you say, well, she won. You'd say, well, I guess I believe it because she's so popular. Is she beatable? I think she's beatable if the truth comes out about who she really is because she really is a big phony. She exploited and abused the black community in Chicago working for these white liberals she ran away from the black community, refused to study with them. She's an elitist. Her father was a precinct captain working for the Democrat Party machine. She's from a political family. She grew up partially in Jesse Jackson's house because her father, uh, her best friend, uh, Santita Jackson, uh, Jesse's daughter, uh, went to high school with her when he was running for president. So Michelle's always been an elitist. She didn't have any black friends growing up. She went to Princeton and Harvard. Her best friend, I found out, was Bernadine Dorn in Chicago, the one of the heads of the Weather Underground with her husband, Bill Ayers. So Michelle really doesn't like black people. She never did. Uh, so I think part of the key is exposing to the black community who Michelle really is. She really is what they called her as a kid. She really is an Oreo, meaning she's black on the outside, but her problem is she's white on the inside. And that's what they need to understand because she doesn't have their interest at heart. I'm a little world worried, Joel. It sounds like maybe the FBI heard some of this conversation and they're at your door. No, I'm going to be all right on that. Okay, good. Um, a couple more very quick questions. Uh, this one especially, Ron DeSantis, what a mess. Fired his campaign manager, big donors pulling out. People are thinking he just needs to change this or retool that. I think it's the candidate. Yeah, I look. Look, look yeah. Ron DeSantis's problems are, he's first of all, he's not telegenic. He doesn't look good on TV. He doesn't come across well. He has no crossover appeal. There's no independent or Democrat that would, you know, find him appealing. He has a very annoying voice. When he, the more he talks for more than 15 seconds, he kind of has this whiny voice that's really not fun to listen to. So on paper, there was some interest for DeSantis at first. Like, oh, he seems like he's a good governor. Uh, I might be interested in voting for him. But when voters got to know him in person, when he came out and he started talking and, and reacting to things, uh, he was unappealing. So this is the, the donor class, the establishment GOP, the Jeb Bush crowd, Karl Rove, gave him a lot of money, almost as if it's the 1980s, like he's some cookie-cutter candidate that will just give him a lot of money and he'll be the nominee. And I think they made the same mistake they made with Jeb Bush, thinking, well, we'll just give this guy a bunch of money and he'll win the nomination. The voters are not there anymore. And uh, DeSantis, I think, is going to have to drop out sooner than later. They should all drop out and use all of this money that's being wasted in a primary to set up the biggest ballot collection 
system in the history of the world and uh, and actually have a chance to beat the the vote gathering machine that the Democrats implemented in 2020 during COVID. Yeah, DeSantis' other problem, of course, he really doesn't have much of a personality. He's kind of robotic, like like Mitt Romney. So it was it was a poor choice, and uh, hopefully those donors will get on board the Trump train and uh, and go for this you know big battle. It's an easy win if there's fair uh, voting. You've got Biden's record of failure versus Trump's record of success. Joe Gilbert, we're very, very late on the break. This always comes up when we have you on, so short answer, please. I've got my own opinion, after, especially after seeing your movie and pictures of Michelle Obama as a little yeah. girl. But you've seen the social media go around but with Michelle Obama bulging and that sort of thing. Is Michelle a biological male came in on the text-to-studio yeah. app? No, no, no. Michelle is 100% female. She's yeah. always been female. It was a joke by Joan Rivers, who's a comedian, who said Michelle is transgender. She, her problem is not her gender. Her phoniness has to do with the fact that she really is a white girl pretending to be black and pretending to put on a phony urban accent when speaking to black audiences, making up phony stories about discrimination in her childhood to manipulate black voters into giving her power. Find the movie Michelle Obama 2024, the book as well, at uh, on Salem or on Amazon. They're fantastic, and I think they'll put to bed the rumor that Michelle Obama is somehow a guy. But, Joel, always appreciate talking to you. Hope you get back to Colorado soon, and uh, God bless you, sir. Okay, thanks so much. All right. And we do need to go straight to the news. Lori Kelman assures me. Well, actually, that's in the next break, but we need to go to this break. But in the next break, when we do news, Lori Kelman assures me. We're going to get the answer on what brewery or what beer or whatever is going to Canada right out of Colorado. So stay with us here on The Tub Show. We'll be right back. Nancy Sinatra, got to love that. Man, what happened to Stefan Tubbs? I'm I'm sensing some sophistication getting into the show here. Maybe the dude's finally growing up. I don't know. You know, I saw Stefan. I was I went out for virtually the first time in a couple of months, and uh, and it was to go see Jimmy in Parker, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Junior's blues band, Jimmy Sangenberger's gig, and Stefan was there. So we had a, a nice conversation. We constantly for the last couple of months, oh, got to get together, got to this, got to that. It just never happens. I was looking at the uh, Eventbrite for the Arapaho Tea Party meeting, which is underway now as we speak, or at least is about to. 120 people uh, or 120 tickets are sold. And I look down, and here's this phony name, Sharika uh, Blankety Blank, that bought 10 tickets right after I made that announcement at 4.50 or so on, uh, on 7.10 earlier tonight and talked about the fact that these lefties want to keep you from hearing or, you know, meeting with like-minded people and having conversations. How do they have the time and the resources to, you know, sniff around and chase? I know it's the largest Tea Party group in Colorado, and I know politicians come and visit and come out of there, activists, all kinds of things. But they literally go around and they will grab 10 tickets just to try and keep you from attending. It's just boggles the mind. This is how concerted the efforts are. It's not just, you know, going after Republican groups or other activist groups, but it seems like they're everywhere. They're everywhere with their cheating and their lying and their stealing, including stealing your seat, your free seat. So we're 
we've had some suggestions made on how we can avoid this problem in the future, and we are going to implement them. And by the way, if you're running late, but on the way to the tea party, um, I know I had planned to run the meeting tonight, and then uh, the need to fill in tonight came up. So, I uh, but I will be coming by just as soon as this show is over. President Donald Trump was in New Hampshire. He is just nonstop Energizer Bunny, full of energy, uh, campaigning away, clearing the field based on polling. Oh, national polls don't mean anything. Yeah, but those numbers just keep keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And when he talks about a fourth indictment and the election will be over, he means that his poll numbers will go so high that uh, there'll be no stopping him. And I I do tend to I tend to agree with Ted Harvey, who earlier was on the show and told us that he didn't think any of these cases would make it to trial before the election. And, And it's it's interesting, isn't it, that Jack Smith, after two and a half years of investigating, finally drops this indictment, this mind controlled indictment right in the middle of the run up to the presidential primary. But typically, in federal court, a serious case that's been developed over two years against a former president and current frontrunner to be president again, and they're going to rush out. We, we need a speedy trial, Judge. Just watch this judge. Just watch this D.C. judge and draw your own conclusions about the decisions we make. We'll know the next one in, on, on Friday. And in time for my Saturday show, Saturday 5 to 8 p.m. this weekend, when she rules on Jack Smith's demand for a protection order because Donald Trump said a mean tweet. He said, if you come after me, I'm coming after you because, you know, he's proven to be so violent. And you look around at the reporting in The Hill um, on CBS or NBC or MSLSD or any of the news websites and I, I, I use air quotes for news, the fake news websites. They talk about, you know, Trump and his attempt to overthrow the 2020 election. Just lies and propaganda, lies and propaganda. And I'll throw this out. I haven't thrown it out uh, on this show and I haven't been on the air in a while. So it's been a uh, maybe I'm just getting rusty. But typically any show I will throw down the gauntlet. To anybody with a microphone, a camera, a blog, a website, article, you know, a column in the local papers or websites or whatever, uh, whatever you want to talk about, the stolen election in 2020, the phony Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus, so-called vaccines, the jab, the injuries that are happening, just story after story, the Hunter Biden computer that we were laughed at, that's Russian dif- disinformation, 50, 50 top secret clearance national security people said so. So you can believe that, right? Wink, wink, psyop, psyop. But Donald Trump was in New Hampshire and um, today, and as usual, he was very well received. Thank you very much, Wow. 
Thank you very much. Thank you. This is an honor. I just knocked over a fan on purpose here. It was blowing the hell out of my hair. It's I said, I got to do a good job in front of New Hampshire. I can't have fans. We don't need anything artificial up here, right? We don't need anything artificial. So I just want to say hello, New Hampshire, a special place, a great place with many great friends and great people. I'm thrilled to be back in this beautiful state with thousands of proud, and I mean proud, I mean seriously proud, look at this, American patriots who believe in that timeless motto, live free or die. I want to thank all of the people, so many people, you know, we're killing everybody in polls. You do know that, right? I mean, just not by like a little bit, like by 40 and 50 points, we're beating, beating them a lot. Yep. And he just, he just rolled from there. And I stopped it because really, really good text message came in. And I want to read every word of it to you and just wonder why. I can't get these good people to call. Hi, Randy. Really good show, but I'm saddened that you are still drinking Trump Kool-Aid. Yes, the man did some great things for this country. Yes, he had his ways of managing foreign policy that other countries feared, maybe even respected. But he's a dangerous narcissist with serious paranoid delusions and delusions of grandeur. How can you continue? I've been around the man now. How can you continue to divide the Republican Party by helping keep the Trumpian cult alive? I feel Trump is completely not electable. Sorry to be in disagreement with you because I like you and I enjoyed Joel Gilbert's take, but regret that he too is a Trumpian. Take care. Hugs from a disagreeing listener. I love that text and would just love to have the conversation. But uh, just to respond to some of the some of the uh, questions in there, some of the comments. I have continued to talk about Trump because, as I have said all along, he's going to be the Republican nominee. Uh, There's just no evidence that that's going to change. The indictments aren't going to stop it or change it. And I've been saying it for months and months and months. And no evidence to the contrary. The big savior, Ron DeSantis, has been a big dud. His timing was bad greatest governor in America and has no business being on that presidential stage against Donald Trump right now. Unelectable Donald Trump in 2020 with COVID-19 with all of the illegal and unconstitutional rule changes and law changes, the soft uh, signature verifications, the drop boxes everywhere, the taking in ballots hours and days after the deadline And on and on and on and on. Forget about the FBI and the Department of Justice colluding with Twitter and social media to take down alternative points of view, to lie about the Hunter Biden laptop and make sure that you couldn't talk about it. Or if you had concerns about the election, make sure you were labeled a denier and taken out of YouTube or off of Facebook or tried to be silenced on a radio station or whatever. Forget about all of those things. In spite of it, if you believe that every vote was properly counted in 2020, Trump lost by about 44,000 votes with all of those decks stacked against him. So I'm just dealing with reality. You can believe what you want about the election more and more time. If Trump ever gets his day in court with Jack Smith, 
you're going to learn more about election stealing and fraud than than you ever believed was out there, because that will be part of the defense. I'm sure I don't have any inside information about it. I just believe that to be true. Trump is going to be the nominee. So if you're a Republican, you have to decide, do I uh, stay quiet with my hate, with my never Trumperism, with my uh, negativity about him? Or do I focus on the amazing, incredible accomplishments of that one so-called dangerous narcissist? I just don't know where that comes from. Yeah, he's a braggart. Yeah, he's a New York developer. He was a playboy in his younger days. All of those things. And his shtick from The Apprentice and, you know, other things that he was involved with, all of those things led him to the position he was in. In his 40s, I rem- I think he was in his 40s on an Oprah interview, I remember him saying, yeah, if I, I don't know that I'd ever want to run for president, but if I ran, I think I'd win. And none of those things have changed. None of those things changed the unbelievable accomplishments. Look at the world today. Stop worrying about Trump, the personality. Start thinking about the fact that you're living in a country on the edge. And Trump, in one four-year term with every facet of government pointed against him, people that he hired, people that he trusted, people that he appointed, using their power inside the deep state to stop his agenda and still look at everything that he got done plus three United States Supreme Court justices. It's time. It is time for the never-Trumpers, the anti-Trumpers, to take a dose of reality. And I, again, throw down the gauntlet. Any microphone, any TV camera, any newspaper, article, or whatever, let's have the debate. Let's narrow it. Let's narrow the debate to whatever the topic is you think is important or where you can prove me wrong, and then let's spend some time at it. Text message coming in. Trump is relatable. Absolutely. People love him. And yes, I still believe the election was stolen. You don't need machines to prove it. So that's my answer. It would be a much better conversation than responding to a a very articulate, very sincere text. Would love to know who's on the other side of it. And the only way that happens is with phone calls. We're running out of show, so I know that's not likely for tonight. But I'm back Saturdays, of course, um, 5 to 8 p.m., a lot of calls on Saturday night, and I really do appreciate it. It's fun to be back on the air, and it's great to spend some time with the great audiences here at 710KNUS. I, uh, I think this is the moment we've all been waiting for, though. Lori Kelman, the news maven, promised me she promised me we heard this tease what at the top of the first hour of the show i don't know if i ever heard it again about a brewery in colorado that is selling out to canada and that we'd be hearing it in the upcoming news and she promises me and i've got the answer here but i'm not going to spill the beans you've got to listen to this next news break she promises me the full beer story in the 640 News. Well, we're late. It's 644, but it's time for that right now. Final segment of the Stefan Tubbs Show, 303-696-1971. If you'd like to get in a last word, and we will be right back on 710 KNUS. Mm, I love Charday. Sing it. Man, I've been away a while. It's fresh around here. That is awesome. Do we know if Stefan's back tomorrow? 
believe so, but I'm not 100%. Okay. All right. Well, I've had the pleasure of being with you tonight. I'm Randy Corcoran. I do Saturday nights from 5 to 8 p.m. Republican National Committee man, chair of the largest Tea Party group here in Colorado, which is meeting as we speak, and I'll be heading over there as soon as this show is over. Don't want you to forget about the Dennis Prager Cigar Night because it's coming up. August the 30th is only, what, three weeks and a day away, and I've been at every one so far. They are a lot of fun. This is number three. You all know Dennis Prager. I mean, just so brilliant and so unafraid to speak, avoid political correctness, call out inconsistency and idiocy, tremendous grasp of scripture, and uh, just a wonderful life story, and we're having him back in town for you at the View House in Centennial on August 30th. You can get a ticket with hors d'oeuvres, a carving station, first beverage, premium cigars. Food is always great. Seating is limited, though, so make sure you get your tickets and complete details. You can find them right there at 710KNUS.com. And we finally, finally, Lori Kelman, let the cat out of the bag, the Breckenridge Brewery. In Littleton, heading out, sold out to Canadian cannabis company Tilray. So uh, do they allow, I don't even know this, is there cannabis-infused beer allowed in the United States? Do you know anything about that, Blake? There is. I believe there's actually bars with cannabis-infused Have you ever beer. tried one? I haven't tried it myself. I've tried the THC beers, but I hmm. I don't know. I I don't mm. think it, I don't think it's uh, psychoactive, so I don't think it even gets you. Oh, what's the point then? <laughs> exactly. What? what are you kidding me? Come <laughs> I on, drink real beer that gets you drunk, right? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> so text messages are really coming in from my commentary responding to that texter about Trump, and in fact, the same person um, followed up and said, yes, and look at all the people Trump heard and all the people Trump fired and all the people Trump screwed. Come on, Randy, you're smarter than this. I, I just don't understand how people don't see the writing on the wall for what's happening and don't understand that even if you accept the results of the 2020 election as fully legitimate, 44,000 votes. And now we've got three plus years of Biden destruction and escalating prices and gas and all of the woke nonsense, the climate climate change nonsense, and on and on and on. And today, breaking news, 3,000 servicemen, two battleships chugging off to the Middle East. None of that was going on for four years. Jeff from Littleton writes in, I was a Trump supporter before you were. But your criticism of Ron DeSantis is ignorant and juvenile, especially when you comment on his looks and the tone of his voice. Now, I did not say that, Jeff. That was the guest movie film producer and author and political commentator Joel Gilbert with his movie, Michelle Obama 2024. Um, I but, you you know, if, if we're going to talk about that, you can't uh, you can't deny that Ron DeSantis isn't that comfortable to listen to. I mean, he is not drawing big crowds. He is not uh, generating enthusiasm. His money is drying up. He just fired his campaign manager. But I wasn't uh, sending out the, the physical and tone of his voice comments on DeSantis. DeSantis will be the future of the party. I, I disagree with that as well. I think DeSantis is damaging his potential future in this party. 
So I see no need for you to take him down now. Well, you know, with regard to that, we're a year and a half, well, a year and a couple months away from the next presidential election. Politics, everything, the landscape, everybody's memory, all of those things will be so distant at that point. I mean, I was a Cruz supporter, for goodness sake. It took Donald Trump's performance. And, you know, I mean, meeting him and him reaching out when my wife died, those kinds of things obviously give me a personal connection that I never had before. But it was his performance that I judge him on. And back to the to the texter that started all this conversation, politics is is blood sport. It's not tiddlywinks. People are fired. People get their feelings hurt. That happens in business. That happens in politics. I am grounded in reality. Not Colorado. I don't expect Colorado to, to you know, vote a majority for Donald Trump. That, that of course, is a, a silly idea. But explain to me how or why he's not going to be the nominee. And then you can tell me why we should be spending more time on other candidates. There's only one candidate out there who's drawing any kind of real enthusiasm or attention and that candidate is Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek rhymes with Lake Ramaswamy. And he's just, he's the Trump without all of the, the baggage and the personality and stuff. But he's powerful. He's talking, saying all the right things for a Republican, for a conservative. And he's doing it without attacking Trump. Now, he could gain some traction, but I don't expect any of these people to do anything with regard to actually challenging the front runner, the, the, nobody overcomes a lead like this. So why don't we deal with reality? And I've only been commenting about the the facts of Ron DeSantis with donors bailing and firing his campaign manager and nobody showing up for his rallies. And it's, he's not fun to watch all of those things. So anyway, we'll pick it up on Saturday, 5 to 8 p.m. I hope that you'll join me. I'm off to the Arapaho Tea Party. Bumper music is here. I want to say goodnight to my lovely bride in heaven. I love you, dreamy girl, and want all of you to never forget. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f*** he wants. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.